Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us and we're going to begin. Father, we just thank you for just an incredible time of worship, Father, and praise. As we think about uh, your glory and your majesty, Father. And, and Lord, I think about that day in heaven when we'll all gather together, every tribe and tongue, every nation. Praise the Lord, Father, in your presence with drums and flutes and harps and voices, Father, in, in all languages. And Lord, this was just a small little picture of what that day will one day be like. It should lead us to a place of worship, Father. A place of thinking about your majesty and power in our lives, Father. Thank you for our time to, to, to gather together this morning. Remind us again of the importance of your word. It's foundational. It's absolute truth. It guides us in, in who we are and how we live. And Father, I pray you would just open our eyes this morning to what you would show us in the book of Acts. Just continue to encourage and strengthen and challenge us, Father. And as we pray every Sunday morning through the power of your spirit, may we be transformed more and more into the image of of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to Acts chapter 8. We are continuing our study this morning in the book of Acts. A sermon series that we have entitled From Ordinary to Extraordinary. And we're just walking through the book of Acts verse by verse. And we've seen a lot of themes. uh, The theme of the Holy Spirit that we'll talk about this morning. the, The theme of the growth of the early church that we've seen. We'll talk about a little bit this morning. But more and more, the, the thing that we've seen and the thing that I want you to continue to understand and, and really kind of think about and pray about is this idea of ordinary to extraordinary. God uses ordinary, sinful people to accomplish extraordinary things. We, we see that all through Scripture. I was just thinking back this week about some of the examples of David and Moses and, and Noah. And, and the Lord kind of led me to the book of Nehemiah. And I, and I read a little bit through the book of Nehemiah. And you may remember Nehemiah rebuilt the wall in Jerusalem. But the Bible tells us, that really chapter 1, kind of the story, he hears about the wall and he fasts and he prays and he goes to the king and he wants to go and basically rebuild the wall. But at the end of chapter 1, he says, I was cupbearer to the king. Right? He, he was just kind of this servant, this nobody, never really did anything for the Lord we know of up until this point, until the Lord called him to greatness. And when he obeyed and followed the will of his father, God did extraordinary things through him. And so the idea for us as we study through the book of Acts, as we continue to try to understand God's will for our life, is just to be reminded that God wants to do extraordinary things through us. He wants to use us for his honor and for his glory to reach people for Christ. You know, I've said this before, uh, many of you are familiar with this, but if you don't know it, maybe you need to be reminded of it. The Georgia Baptist Convention estimates that approximately 70% of Georgia is lost. Like seven out of ten people don't know Jesus. Some people think that number's a little bit higher. And so even in the context of your lives right now, when you go to lunch today, maybe just be aware of the restaurant, there's a chance that seven out of ten people in that place don't know Christ. When you go to work tomorrow, students, when you go to school tomorrow, seven out of ten people statistically in the room and in the place of business and the school you're going to be in don't know Jesus Christ. How can we be used right where we are to do extraordinary things? God can do great things through us. We've seen that theme. We've seen that through the book of Acts. We, We talked last week about 
the spread of the gospel through persecution. And, and I like that story because it just reminds us that sometimes God uses difficult things to, to kind of shake us loose, to get us out of our comfort zone, to send us out into the world. The believers were, were sent out. We saw the joy of salvation. But then there was this warning that I, I just want to spend maybe one minute on again this morning because I don't want to miss this opportunity to talk about it briefly again. We talked about Simon last week. And you can go back and listen to the podcast if you want to. But Simon was, was the magician. Uh, people listened to him in the early part of the book, uh, uh, early part of the eighth chapter of the book of Acts. It seems as though he was a believer. The Bible says he believed and was baptized. Later on in the story, we read that it seems as though Simon's uh, uh, salvation experience wasn't real or his belief wasn't real and he kind of turned away from the things of the Lord. And we, we just talked last week about this warning about being certain of our salvation, of being certain of the Lord in our life. Uh, just because we said something years ago doesn't necessarily mean that we accepted Christ. If there's no fruit, if we've never lived for the Lord, if we're not excited about the things of Christ, if we're not growing in our faith, I, I just challenged you last week with this warning. Just be very clear in your salvation. Make sure that you know that you know that you know. And if you don't, then let's just talk about it. Let's just sit down and, and chat a little bit and see if we can understand what the Lord's doing in your life. But this morning, we're going to continue our study and we're going to see the theme again of the Spirit. And in fact, really the second half of the book of uh, the chapter 8 of the book of Acts is all about the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit at work. The Spirit's going to do some pretty incredible things. So let's jump right in this morning. Acts chapter 8, beginning of verse 26. We have it on the screen, I believe. You can read along with us. Now we're speaking of Philip, right? Philip's done some pretty neat things in the first part of chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. We'll come back to that in just a second. Verse 21. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. Now let's stop just for a second. We're going to make a, a point and kind of go back and think through it together. Here, here's the first truth I want you to understand in this text. Number one, sometimes the call of the Holy Spirit defies human understanding. Sometimes the call of the Holy Spirit defies human understanding. That There are times that the Spirit will lead us to do things that won't necessarily make sense to us. There are times the Spirit will lead us to do things that will be very challenging to us. There will be times the Spirit will lead us to do things that we may not even necessarily be comfortable with. Now, Philip is a great example here because I, I just want to remind you of what's going on in Philip's life at this point. Right? Stephen is stoned in Jerusalem. The Bible tells us that a great persecution breaks out. The believers are scattered. Philip goes and he begins to preach in Samaria to the Samaritans. People are being saved. People are being baptized. Large crowds are gathering. By, by earthly and heavenly standards, the, the ministry of Philip is successful. Great things are happening. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of the movement of the Spirit, in, in the midst of all these things happening, pull up verse 26 again. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise, go toward the south, 
to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Let me, let me explain what's happening here. The Spirit says to Philip, listen, all the neat things that are happening here, all the ways in which the Lord is moving, all the ways in which uh, people are being saved and salvation is coming and people are being baptized, all the great things that are happening, Philip, I want you to step away from all of that. I want you to leave that behind. I want you to get on a road, walk out into the desert, see the end of verse 26, and oh, by the way, we're going to see in just a second, you're going to witness to one guy. Now, by humanly standards, that doesn't make sense to us, does it? Why would we leave this ministry that's thriving, people are getting saved, people are being baptized, the Spirit of the Lord is at work? Why would we leave this, go down this remote road into the desert, speak to one God? Kind of be like, if we were thinking about Billy Graham, I know he's a lot older now, but those of us that are a little bit older remember kind of his heyday. Right, when he was preaching to tens of thousands of people all over the world and thousands of people were being saved. It'd kind of be like saying to him, listen, I know you've got all these stadiums sold out and, and great things are happening and people are being saved, but we want you to leave all that, go out into the desert. There's going to be one guy we want you to witness to. That doesn't make sense to us, does it? Yet clearly Philip is called to do this. Clearly God has a plan. Clearly, God wants him to set all that aside and go off and do something in the desert. Sometimes the Spirit calls us to do things that doesn't make sense in our minds. I'll never forget personally, I, I can speak to this personally, and I know a lot of you would have the same sorts of stories, but when I was called to the ministry, it was just, I've told this story before, it was like just this clear, clarion call. I was teaching and enjoying teaching. I've been teaching for almost 10 years and just kind of loving what I was doing, and just out of the blue, the Lord called me very clearly. And I remember going to my principal, and those of you that are teachers will understand this. It's, it's the first part of the year you get the contract. They put it in your box. Man, if you get that thing, you take it out and you sign it as fast as you can, you turn it back in. That's what you do, because that's kind of next year's paycheck. That's next year's job. It's security, and that's what we do. That's what I've done for almost 10 years. So that contract shows up in my box. I went to my principal. I said, I'm not coming back next year. He said, where are you going to go? Well, I'm going to go to seminary. Do you have a job? No. <laughs> Got a place to live? No. Got a real plan at this point? No. Like looking back on it now that I'm kind of, I guess, 12 or 15 years past it, from a human standpoint, it didn't make any sense. But it was the call of the Lord in my life. No doubt in my mind. I don't doubt it now. I didn't doubt it then. The Lord called me to do something that didn't necessarily make sense to me. And I think sometimes we, we might miss the calling of the Lord in our lives because it doesn't make sense to us and so we just set it aside. And so I'm, I'm going to give you just very quickly some things that will help you kind of understand the calling of the Spirit. But as we're doing it, I want you to kind of begin to apply this to your heart. What are the things the Spirit's leading you to do now that maybe you're afraid to do? That's a question you should be asking. What's the Spirit calling you to do? How have you been prompted by the Spirit lately? What's the Spirit doing in your life that maybe you're afraid or it doesn't make sense or it defies human understanding? What is the Spirit calling you to do now that you may not fully understand? Now here's what I want to do to help you. A lot of people say, I get that. I understand the, the power of the Spirit. I understand the Spirit at work. But I don't quite know how to be led by the Spirit. So, so how am I supposed to follow the leading of the Spirit? Well, I'm going to give you five things that will help you. This is not an exhaustive list. There are certainly other things, but this will at least get you on the right track 
to kind of understanding and, and maybe kind of moving in the direction of being more and more led by the Spirit. Here's the first thing. We have them on the screen. The first thing you need to do if you're going to be led by the Spirit is recognize that the Holy Spirit has been leading people since the beginning of time. Like j- Just simply get over the hurdle of not believing the Spirit can use you because that's where a lot of people just stop. They hear the stories, they, they, they see the accounts, they read about Philip and Peter and, and Paul and all the people in the New Testament and all the people in the Old Testament, and they believe that, they get that, they understand it. But when it comes to their life, they would say something like this, you know, I, I just don't know if the Spirit can actually lead me like that. I've just never had him actually give me a clear direction. I'm not quite sure what the Spirit's called me to do. So they just stop right here. They don't really recognize the Spirit has been and will continue to lead people from the beginning of time. Now, there are all sorts of scriptures in the Old Testament. There are all sorts of scriptures in in the New Testament. Uh, There are all sorts of examples all through the book of Acts about the leading of the Spirit. I'm not going to go this morning into every one of these verses, but there's so many opportunities and examples in Scripture of the Spirit actually leading people. And so I would say to you, the, the first step for you is just believing He can and will lead you. And if you're not there yet, if you're not even to this point, that's where you need to start with your prayers. Lord, give me the faith to believe that the Spirit can lead me and will lead me if I trust Him. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing you can be doing. Ask the Spirit to lead you. Right? For some of us, that's a foreign concept. We ask the Spirit to lead me. Can I, can I pray and ask? Absolutely you can. You should. Lord, I want to be more Spirit-led. Lord, I want to make decisions based on the power of the Spirit. Lord, when I, when I walk into work to morning, in, in the morning, I want you to lead me in the direction you want me to go. Because if you're like, I guess, the vast majority of the world, we've got our own to-do list, which is fine. It's a good thing. It's healthy. It helps us set goals and accomplish things. But are you ever looking at the Spirit's list for you during the day? Have you considered that maybe the Spirit has a list for you to accomplish? You ever thought about that? Have you ever walked into work and thought, Spirit, what, what do you, I've got my list, I've got to accomplish that, but Holy Spirit, what do you want me to accomplish today at work? Students, do we walk into school and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to accomplish today at school? How do you want me to, to react, Holy Spirit, to this person uh, at the lunch table that was mean to me yesterday? Or to the teacher that seems to be unfair to me? Teachers, how do you respond to the kid that doesn't show you respect, right? How are, the, how are we allowing the Spirit to lead us? How is the Spirit guiding us? What's the Spirit's kind of to-do list for us? We're never going to know if we don't just ask. Lord, I believe you can lead me. It says in scriptures all through the Bible, there are clear examples of it. Lord, I want you to lead me. Through the power of your spirit, allow me to know how you want me to respond today. Just asking the question kind of puts you in a different frame of mind. Did you know that? If you're struggling with this, just write it on a little card. Something as simple as like, Holy Spirit, lead me today. Or be spirit-led. Or write a verse that says something about being led by the spirit. And put it in your, your car. I put it in your notebook for work and then one and write it on your mirror with a marker or a dry erase marker so you can see it every morning. Be spirit-led. Allow the Spirit to use you. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do through me today? Third thing, very simply, live your life for Christ. Live your life for Christ. We, we need to be praying, seeking the Lord, trusting Him, putting Christ first in all things. Because I, I promise you something, if you're not actively seeking the Lord and living for Him, you're not going to be spirit, spirit-led. You're going to be led by your own desires, and you're going to be led by the flesh, and you're going to be led by your to-do list, but you're not going to be led by the Spirit if you're not trusting Him, actively seeking Him in your life. 
So, so we've recognized that he's, that, he's, that he's at work. We're asking him to lead us. We're trying to live for him in all ways. And then fourth, listen for that inward call. Now this may be the, 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 the kind of the most difficult part for us because we're not quite sure how that happens. What does it mean in the inward call? Is it an audible voice? Is it the handwriting on the wall? Is he going to speak to me through a Bible verse? Let me, let me give you just a couple of verses that will help us in our understanding. The first one is John chapter 10 verse 27. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Right, the idea is that the, the, the people that follow Christ know His voice, and because they know His voice, they follow Him. Well, how do you know the voice of someone? We don't know the voice of someone unless you spend great amounts of time with them, right? But right, a, a child knows the voice of mom and dad. Why? Because they've spent every moment of their life growing up for the first couple of years with mom and dad. Mom and dad know the voice of the child. Why? Because they spent time with that child. Right, we, we, we all know that, that a mama's voice or a child's voice, we, 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 our ears perk up, right? We, we understand and hear that voice. Why? Because we spent great amounts of time with that person. It's the same thing with the Lord. I'm going to give you, I'm going to fast forward a little bit for you and help you a lot right here. If you're never spending any time in this, don't expect to hear the voice of the Lord in your life. I mean, I, I don't want to be harsh to anybody and, and hurt anybody's feelings, but don't expect the Lord to give you guidance if you're not spending time in His Word. He's giving you guidance right here. A lifetime worth of guidance. We're going to hear His voice because we know how He works through His Word. He's going to speak to us through His Word. And the more we kind of intake and read and study and pray through His Word, the more we're going to recognize His voice, the more we're going to understand what He's saying in our lives, the more He's going to guide us. And so we see verses like Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, right? So there's this, there's this point where we, we've been spending time in the Word, studying, praying, seeking the Lord, living for Him. Kind of our spirits kind of harmonize together, right? We hear His Spirit. Our spirit understands that. And we hear from Him. And He bears witness in our heart. And we know that He's calling us. Now here are some earthly words that may help you as we describe this sense of calling. And these are just, these are words that humans have made up so they may or may not be helpful for you. But as we sense the calling, the inner calling of the Spirit, words that may come from that uh, to explain it or define it would be something like this. Leading, the Spirit is leading us. Maybe there's a purpose in our hearts. Maybe there's a growing commitment to the Lord. Maybe there, there, there's an intense desire. Maybe there's a growing compulsion. Right? We, we just can't really explain it, but we know that we know that we know. And so we're trusting the Lord more. We're listening for His Spirit. He's using us. He's giving us direction. He's, he's showing us what we ought to be doing. Then the fifth thing, but maybe the most difficult, very simply, we obey. Right? It's not good enough just to know and understand if we don't obey. It's not good enough for me to come in here and say, you know what, the Lord called me yesterday to witness to this guy. Uh, the guy doesn't know Jesus, and the Lord called me to witness to him to share the gospel because I know he doesn't know who Christ is. But I didn't, I didn't talk to him, I mean. I didn't actually witness to him. The Lord called me to, clearly. The Spirit called me to do it, but I didn't do it. Well, it doesn't matter then, does it? 
Because this is, this is what we see. This is fascinating to me, this story of Philip, right? Kind of back to the story of Philip because I don't, I don't want to miss this, right? The, the, there's, there's all uh, sorts of things that are happening in this, in this passage of Scripture with Philip. But the Holy Spirit calls him. He obeys. He, he kind of leaves it. Pull point one back up, if you would, for me, please. Wind to the main point there. He leaves this incredible ministry to do something that defies human understanding. Doesn't make sense to us. But here's what's going to happen. Here's where we're going with this story. He's going to meet this one man, this Ethiopian. He's going to lead this man to Christ. And this is biblically the first convert from Africa right so in his obedience as he walks into the desert to meet to to, to speak to this one man he leads this man to Christ this man goes back to Ethiopia and the Lord uses him now as a missionary to a brand new continent isn't that interesting how the Lord works but it never would have happened if Philip hadn't obeyed the calling of the scripture let's continue look at verse 30 we need to move on through this so Philip ran to him and heard him. By, by the way, there's probably a whole sermon in running when the Lord calls you right there. You ever just taking your time when the Lord calls you? Lord, I know you want me to go do that, but I can't do it today. <laughs> Maybe next week. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said to him, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Like, come on up on the chariot. Now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Now, this is Isaiah 53. We're going to get there in just a second. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. We're speaking of Christ here. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Verse 34. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Here's the second truth. Right? Sometimes the Spirit leads us to do things that doesn't, they don't necessarily make sense to us. By human understanding, truth number two. Sometimes the Holy Spirit sends us people at exactly the right time. Sometimes the Holy Spirit sends us people at exactly the right time. Now, I want to spend just a few minutes here in Isaiah 53 because this is the passage of Scripture that this Ethiopian was studying. This is the passage of Scripture that they read together. This is the passage of Scripture that ultimately uh, Philip uses to lead this man to Christ. I I love the book of Isaiah. Some of you have heard me preach on Isaiah 53 before, but I I love the book of Isaiah because it's written 700 years before the birth of Christ. And it's just chock full of uh, messianic prophecies, right? Pictures of Jesus. 700 years before the birth of Christ, all these pictures and prophecies of Jesus are found in the book of Isaiah. And probably chapter 53 is the best known. And and so I want to take just a couple of minutes and read through just a few verses in Isaiah chapter 53 and just kind of point a few things out to you and understand kind of what this this man is reading and what Philip says to him. I think we have, do we have those on the screen, Isaiah 53? Did I give you those? Perfect. Isaiah 53, verse 3. Now as we're reading these, right, this is what the Ethiopian eunuch is reading. He's in the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah. He's reading about this person, but he doesn't know who this person is. Because he asks Philip, listen, is the, is the prophet talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? That's what he says in verse 34. Because Philip, I don't know who this guy is. Obviously, Isaiah's talking about somebody. I don't know who he is. I want you to see if you can picture who this is, okay? He, verse 3, we don't know who he is. Somebody that Isaiah is writing about, but he 
was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Now, who does that sound like? It could be a lot of people. A lot of people have classified Isaiah 53 as the suffering servant. But whoever this guy is, he suffered a lot. He was rejected. He suffers. He's familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Right? Nobody thought a whole lot of this guy. Verse 4. Surely he, we don't know who he is yet, took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Now I just want you to consider just for a second because I believe this is all about Christ. Think about Jesus going to the cross, right? Suffering despised, rejected. He picks up the cross. He took our pain. He bore our suffering as the cross weighs heavy upon him because of our sin. He bears our pain. He bears our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Now to the next verse. He was, think about the crucifixion, pierced for our transgressions, right? The the nails that go through his wrists, the nails that go through his ankles, Pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Now hold it for a second. The, the, the thing that he went through wasn't for no reason, right? Because the Bible tells us the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. See, the suffering of Christ on the cross, bearing of our sins, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, all that punishment upon him gave us peace. And because of his wounds, of all he suffered, we can be healed. So it's it's a beautiful picture of the salvation of Christ. It's a beautiful reminder of of his gospel. It's a beautiful reminder of what he did. And you may say, well, that, that may be Jesus... But it might not be. It's possible it could be somebody else. I don't think you can actually make that case really. I think it's clear that this is Jesus. But just in case you doubt that it's Christ, look back at Acts 8. Pull verse 34 up if you would for me, please. Verse 34, the the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I asked, does the prophet say this? Is it himself or somebody else? Who is the he in Isaiah 53? That's what Philip is asking. Go to 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about who? Jesus. It's a picture of Christ, isn't it? Now here's the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ, this idea of the Holy Spirit sending people at just the right time. Did you know that Christ was sent at just the right time? Did you know that Galatians chapter 4? When the time had fully come, God sent his Son Like the Holy Spirit is perfect at sending people at just the right time. Now, I bet we've all been blessed at some point in our life with somebody just kind of coming along. You ever had that person just kind of come along and say the right thing to you at the right time? You ever had that? Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a word of challenge. Maybe it's just a a Bible verse. Maybe you're going through a tough time and somebody comes and gives you some great advice. Whatever the case may be, the the Holy Spirit sends people at just the right time. That's the good news and the exciting news. The Holy Spirit is going to help us and, and walk with us. Here's the challenging part to those two sides of that coin. Sometimes the Holy Spirit sends us people at just the right time. Sometimes you're the right person being sent. You ever thought about that? What if you're Philip in this story? <laughs> I mean, what if you're the person that things are rocking along, going well, you're loving life, God's blessing you, and all of a sudden He calls you to do something radical. Maybe you're Philip. Maybe He's calling you to do something radical. Maybe He's simply calling you to go share the gospel with somebody that doesn't hear. 
But, but I would just encourage you, as we're open to the Spirit, as we're listening to the Spirit, as we're seeking and trusting the Spirit, don't waste a Holy Spirit-led encounter and throw it aside because you're too afraid to do it. I, I bet every person in here, myself included, could tell the story in their life of a moment they felt the Spirit call them. The moment the... Am I on now? Okay. I was going to say the moment the mic went out. The moment the Holy Spirit called us to do something and we were afraid to do it. I mean, I bet if I asked you, every person here could tell a story like that. Yeah, i got to remember that. i never forget that time. I just felt the leading of the Lord to do this and I was afraid to do it and I missed my chance. Man, don't miss these chances. Because this Ethiopian found Christ because of the obedience of Philip. One guy who decided to set out in the desert, walk down this road, being obedient to the Spirit, walked up on this chariot, this guy reading Isaiah, explained the gospel to him, led him to Christ. It's a fantastic picture of the gospel at work and the Holy Spirit at work in the lives of our people. Now let's do something fun. I want you to look at your Bibles. Look at your Bibles. Look at verse 36. Look at verse 38. Who does not have a 37? Raise your hand. Seriously, raise your hand all the way up. Who doesn't have a 37? There's more than that. Raise your hands if you don't have a 37. Wow. Oh, you put them down. You guys need a refund, don't you? Because they left 37 out of your Bible. It's interesting. I want to spend two minutes on it because I think it's just interesting for you to understand a little bit about biblical interpretation. Uh, different translations are written differently, right? We take the original Greek text. We translate it into English. In some translations, it, 37 is included. In other translations, it's not. Basically, that's because of the different manuscripts that are used when the translation occurred. Right? Some Bible scholars believe that 37 was included in the original. Some believe 37 was not included in the original. 37 is basically just a clear account of the Ethiopian uh, professing faith in Christ. That's basically what 37 says. And so what some people would say is we should leave it out because it wasn't part of the original. Others would say it is part of the original. There's a debate among scholars. right? There's a debate about whether it should be left in or left out. And so some people have 37. Some people don't. Some scholars believe it was a later edition. Some believe it was part of the original. But this, so just students, one second. Listen right here. Students, these are the sorts of things your professors are going to say when they talk about discrepancy in Scripture. They're going to use this kind of stuff. They're going to to add this to a list of discrepancies. See, this is just one of the mistakes in Scripture. How can you believe a Bible when some of them have 37, some of them don't have 37? There's no change in what happens here. There's no change in what actually happens. Philip still gets saved. He still gets baptized. 37 is just a clear picture and explanation of what salvation is. Whether you leave it in or, or, or take it out, salvation is still the same. This is the sort of thing, though, the skeptic will use to try to convince you that Scripture's not real. There are mistakes all through. It's riddled with errors. How can you put your faith in a, in a document that's not really true? There are answers to those questions, okay? There are absolute answers to those questions. And if you want to know them, come talk to me or somebody else in the church. But you need to understand it and kind of walk into those encounters with ammunition to be able to defend your faith. Okay, we've got to keep going. We need to finish up. Verse 38 of Acts chapter 8. And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. A picture of baptism by immersion, right? There's no mention of sprinkling or pouring. Philip, uh, the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, it's the same thing we say about Jesus. When he's baptized, he goes down into the water. He comes up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. 
But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Now, we, we've seen that the work of the Spirit calling us to do things that don't make sense. We see sometimes the Spirit sends us or sends others in our lives at just the right moment. Then truth number three. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does extraordinary things through our obedience. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does extraordinary things through our obedience. I would draw your attention very quickly to the obedience of Philip in this context. Verses 26 and 27 tell Philip to rise and go. So guess what Philip did? He got up and he went. Verse 29 and 30, the Bible tells Philip, excuse me, the Bible tells us that the Spirit tells Philip to run over to the chariot. So Philip ran over to the chariot. Right? There's obedience just built into this text. But there are two extraordinary things that happen in these verses. The first extraordinary thing is that this man came to faith in Jesus Christ and was baptized. We, we, we get over that sometimes, don't we? We forget that. I talked last week about the joy of salvation. Sometimes we forget the joy. Sometimes we forget the celebration. Anytime a lost person is saved, it's a miracle. It's a miraculous event. But the second kind of extraordinary thing that happens is in verse 39. Pull up 39 again if you would for me, please. So he came up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Up at this point, he's run up. He's been obedient. He's followed the chariot. Now the Spirit actually carries Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. We see kind of the second extraordinary thing is it seems, and I'm going to use a modern word to help us understand, it seems as if the Holy Spirit transports Philip from one place to the other. Now, now I don't know how this happens. I can't explain this to you. I would say to you, first of all, clearly I would affirm that that's exactly the way it happened. I think it's absolutely true. How it happened, I can't tell you. We can get bogged down in discussing the if and the when and the how. But here's the thing I want you to get here. Here's the application for you. Don't ever underestimate what the Lord can do in your life. Don't ever underestimate it. I bet Philip didn't leave this incredible ministry of people being baptized and saved to walk down a desert road to speak to this one guy thinking he was going to be transported to another area. I bet he didn't ever think that. You're saying, well, if I go today to Longhorn lead a guy to Christ, the Lord's going to transport me to Applebee's and I can lead somebody else to Christ. <laughs> well, maybe, and if he does, I hope I'm there to see it. Like, I hope I'm in Applebee's and you just pop up next to my table and start sharing. That'd be awesome. I don't expect that to happen, but it's possible. But let's just think about the things the Lord is doing on a regular basis in our life. What is he doing through you right now that's extraordinary? What can he do through you this afternoon or tomorrow or, or next week? I'm just reminded of all the people in Scripture that did extraordinary things through Christ. I, I don't have time to go into them, but the, the, long, the list is just long. Man, there's just so many people that God did miraculous things through. And, and, and so as we just kind of wind this thing up this morning, just challenged by this calling of the Spirit. Challenged with this idea of obedience. Challenged with the side of doing things outside sometimes the realm of what seems normal to us through the power of the Spirit. Trusting the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to lead us. And then when we're obedient to the call of the Spirit in our lives, God's going to do extraordinary things through our obedience for His honor and for His glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the power of the Spirit in our lives. It's active and it's real.
It molds and shapes us, Father, and leads us. The Spirit we see time and time again in Scripture leads us to accomplish great things. Allow us, Lord, to be open to the calling of the Spirit. Open to the power of the Spirit. Allow us to be aware that the Spirit works in ways we don't fully understand and sometimes calls us to do things that we don't even understand why or how. But Father, we've already seen through the book of Acts, we've seen again this morning, when we'll trust, when we'll follow you, Lord, when we'll allow the Spirit to guide us, when we'll be Spirit-led in our lives, He will do extraordinary things through us for His honor and for His glory. Lord, I just thank you for all you're doing, for all you've shown us, for all you've given us. Lord, lead us by the power of the Spirit to do great things, and we'll praise your name for everything that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand? The altar is open. Opportunity for you to pray. You can come speak to me. You respond in this moment as the Lord leads you. So we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.